This is the Fireground Action Photography Podcast, Episode 9, Shooting on a Budget and Gadget of the Week. Well, hello, and welcome to Fireground Action Photography, the podcast produced by and for photographers specializing in emergency services action photography. My name is Craig Derling. I am your humble host. Joining me in base camp once again today is veteran fire photographer Ross Benson. Hey, you forgot the A. Hi there. How are you? Welcome. How are you doing today, Craig? I thought I'd try different. You're dropping off WWWs. I'm dropping the, I'm dropping the A. And I still won't a, tell you what the A stands for. We're going to have a contest. We're going to have people email what you think the A stands for, and we'll figure out, we'll come up with a prize or something. If they can figure out what the A is, I'll pay them to figure out what the M stands for. I have a couple of ideas, but I can't say them here. <laughs> anyway, we're going to jump right into it. Uh, coming up in this show is uh, our featured topic today. We're going to talk about shooting on a budget. So for uh, all of us out there who are getting poorer every day, um, how to save a little money, how to, uh, how to get cheaper equipment out there and, and save a couple bucks. But first, we have a friend of ours who has been in the news lately, a good friend of this, uh, sh- this year's show and a good friend of ours, uh, Ted Pendergast, a buddy of mine, old buddy of mine from back home in Boston. He's a public safety dispatcher back there. And you might have seen him in the news or on the uh, web here uh, over the last couple weeks. Back on September 16th, he helped a gentleman deliver his own baby. Actually, his wife's, or his girlfriend's, I believe, baby. Well, I think it was their baby. There you go. But, yeah. But uh, I think he had something to do with it. He did a good job. uh, But Ted kind of walked the gentleman through uh, the birth on the phone, and uh, the baby was born right there in their apartment, and Ted did a fantastic job. He's a a true pro. And uh, and we'll make a couple comments after that, but I want to play some of that. It's a couple minutes, so bear with us, but I think you'll be as, as enthralled as we were when we listened to it. So let's get that... Get that playing. Hold on. Sing a song, Ross, while I get this going. Oh, that you don't want me to do. All right. Here is Ted Pendergast. He will be the calm, cool, collected one <laughs> on the other end of the phone. 911, this call is recorded. What's your emergency? Hello? Yeah, hi, it's the state police. This gentleman's uh, uh, girlfriend is having a baby right now. Okay, sir. What's the address? 101 Beach. B-E-C-H. 101 Beach. Is that a multifamily house? It is. I'm apartment number three. Apartment three. Is that on the first? on the third floor. His head is crowning. He's coming out. Okay. We're going to respond right now. Do you have clean cloths, clean blankets, yes, towels? I do. Yeah, okay. we do. Are you f- familiar with what you need to do? Uh, sort of, yeah. Okay. So basically, is she positioned properly? She's laying down? She, she's in the bathtub. She's in the yeah. bathtub? Okay. You want to put the blankets down underneath her? One on one. He comes. He's coming. Okay. You want to make sure you catch him. Just guide him out very carefully. I'm guiding him. I got him. I got him. Excellent. 
Do you see any obvious problems at all? No, his eyes are still closed. Oh, his eyes, that's fine. Okay. You just want to very gently, with a clean cloth, you want to wipe off the baby's mouth and nose. Okay. Okay. Dry off the baby with a clean towel. With a clean towel? Yeah. Okay. Just dry him off very gently, though, okay? Okay. There you go. Excellent. Amazing. That's Amazing. a pro, isn't it? He really is. You know, and, I, and I, he's been doing it a long time. And, uh, you know, I talked to him about this whole thing uh, a few days ago. Um after I listened to it, and it's amazing. He's been in a bunch of newspapers. He's been on, had some TV time and all that. But, you know, to him, talking to him, it's, you know, a typical pro. It's like, hey, I was just doing my thing. I was only on the phone with him for three minutes and 40 seconds or whatever it was. And But, it's a, you know, it's a huge deal in these people's lives. He's met the baby. I won't mention their names just, to, you know, for their privacy and all that. But uh, good job to Ted. And, and one of the other reasons we're playing this today is we're recording this. What's today? On uh, on October 4th, we're recording this, 10-4, for you ready guys out there. <laughs> and it's Ted's birthday, I believe, today. Happy birthday, Ted. So, yeah, we're sending this one out to you. Congratulations, Ted, on a job well done. And I'm sure everybody out there uh, it shares in those sentiments as well. Ted, I got to say, for somebody who's listened to a scanner for probably close to 35 to 40 years, good job. I, I've listened to, I don't know how many calls like that, and you did that with like a pro, real pro oh, there, buddy. So calming. Yeah, it was. So so good job, Ted. Good job. boy, man. And uh, Ted will be on, on future shows here with us. He's a cannon shooter. He's a fire photographer. He's been doing it for years. He and uh, Rick Knoll were dispatching that night. Rick was next to him dispatching the fire apparatus. And uh, Rick is also a very good friend. And really, I credit the, uh, I credit or blame Rick and Teddy for getting me into this fire photography thing. Uh, oh, boy, back in 87, I think, something like that. Showing 80, your no, age. 80, no, 1990, about 1990. Uh, I had been doing stringing for some time, photography, but uh, Rick and Ted were really the ones that, that got me going in fire photography and inspired me to get going with that. So This week is Fire Prevention Week. That's it, Fire Prevention Week. Yep. Yep. And it's always the first week of October. Um, your city, uh, wherever you're located, is probably doing some prevention show. I know here in Burbank, uh, they're out there on uh, one of our main boulevards today. They took an old crown out. They have tons of literature out. And, uh, they're in front of the AMC theaters out here. And they were bringing out their all their prevention stuff. Good way to get the word out how to prevent a forest fire. We're getting into that season out here on the west coast brush fires but we're getting into the winter you know people uh, have more fires going and good way to prevent for us absolutely fires. fire prevention week go down to your local fire station fire department check out the programs they have and take the a camera materials and absolutely take your camera they might be doing 
some very good uh, demonstrations that are great photo ops for you. Oh, yeah. These are the, be- the best time to shoot pictures. Not necessarily. We, yeah, we chase fires. But, you know, the shots of them in the station, if you go for a tour, those shots really mean a lot to those guys. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, even if you're just getting into fire photography or photography in general, that's a great opportunity for you to kind of stretch your legs and, and try some new stuff. And, and uh, right along those lines, our, our featured topic today is going to be shooting on a budget. And uh, there are some of us that start poor, some of us that end poor in this business, like uh, like us, because you spend a lot of money on equipment. But, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of money on equipment. You can you can do this on a budget. You know, there are, there are point and shoots out there that'll do some uh, some wonderful stuff you know the canon g9 and the g10 coming out nikon other manufacturers have comparable point and shoots but when it comes to point and shoots the fire photography is so dynamic that point and shoots normally just aren't equipped to handle some of those situations and one of the biggest enemies a point and shoot has is the inability to to go into manual mode to override certain functions of the camera um, because there are a lot of times, and we've talked about this before in fire photography, where you have to convince the camera, you have to override a lot of functions the camera wants to do for you uh, to to take the picture you want it to take, because normally at, at a lot of these fire scenes and emergency scenes, the conditions just aren't that great. They aren't optimal uh, conditions for cameras, especially the ones that only do automatic mode or program mode. A lot of times you have to have the ability to override those, but there are certainly plenty of cameras out there that'll do it within a fixed budget. You know, we're talking three, four, five hundred dollars. Um, you know, and and we consulted with a lot of our our cohorts out there to get kind of some tips that they had on how you can save money getting into this and staying in it, and not just buying your first camera, but you know, as you go through as a fire photographer, you you realize you don't have to have the latest and greatest camera out there. There are ways, you know, I, I shoot primarily with 40Ds now. Well, the 50Ds are coming out. I probably won't buy a 50D, you know. Um, and it's, it, you know, Ross, I know you've been looking to upgrade. That and, I have. And there's no need. I don't know your thoughts on this, but do you need to go out and get a 5D Mark II when it oh, comes def- out? Definitely not. I, I love reading what they're going to do. But you know what? I'd actually like to wait and listen to the first couple thousand photographers out there, the guys that shoot like us, and get their feedback. I want to know the problems that they're experiencing before I go out and plunk down $2,300 for a camera. I could live with a Rebel. You know, right. Canon Rebel. We have a friend, Ed Sherman, who shoots down Temecula Way, told me that he just recently picked up a Rebel for, what, seven dollars $800. It's a great camera. You're sure he doesn't need the speed, but it'll do everything. It's a digital camera. It's, I think, what, a 10 or 12-megapixel uh, camera, camera. And um, there you go. It's a Canon. You could change lenses on it. You could put different lenses on it. And, again, you're not busting the bank. And that's something an SLR does for you that a point-and-shoot won't is the ability to change lenses. Um, even just starting out, it's good to have a couple of good lenses That'll cover different uh, focal lengths for you, maybe a 16 to 35, an 18 to 50, and then a 70 to 200, something in that range, just to to get you out there, to give you a little more range that a point-and-shoot would never get you. But you can do it affordably. I was looking at some prices today 
online for some different cam- Canon uh, or camera manufacturers. And again, Ross and I are both Canon guys, and and we don't want to leave anybody out here. Uh, we are going to be bringing some Nikon guys in here and there, but uh, we're getting them online. You know, actually, Craig, you know, the reason I moved to Canon, I used to be a Minolta photographer. Shot my first pictures, my first public picture was from a Minolta. I moved up in the Minolta line, and I started wearing them out because of the demand I put on them. So then I moved to Nikon. Nikon was a workhorse of press photographers. Got it. Shot several different cameras, took them to the White House. I shot in the White House with it. Then I developed carpal tunnel till syndrome. Till they found you and kicked Well, you that's out. it. I was in the in <laughs> Ronald Reagan's kitchen back many years ago, and the Secret Service guy said, if that elevator moves, we're out of here. He's coming for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But I had my Nikon F3 with me. But they got too big and too heavy, so I moved to Canon. Those, those cameras, when you had the you know winders on oh. there and everything, were huge. Oh, They're I had a anchors. rate converter on the bottom. Yeah, you're right. I had... Uh, a winder on it uh, with a rechargeable battery, a NICAD battery, which weighed a, a pound in itself. You're right. The camera was really heavy. Yeah, and I was looking at some websites today, some of the bigger websites, Sammy's, B&H, uh, Adorama, and, and looking at some prices. And, you know, you're looking at the 5D Mark II coming out. It's going to be $2,700. The 50D coming out, it's going to be $1,500. And that's just for the body. That doesn't even include a lens or accessories. But just looking through these websites, you can still get a 30D. For seven to eight hundred dollars, a forty D. These are Canons, by the way. Uh, the forty D is available. You can get new for eight hundred to nine hundred dollars, and for uh, what we call kits, what are like package deals. These are when the camera includes a lens of some sort. You can get those anywhere from eleven hundred to twelve hundred dollars. The fifty D, of course, is going to be fourteen hundred dollars. And and we're not just talking about these um, the thirty D forty D series. Uh, there's also the XTI that's out there. The XSI, which is I hear great things about, yep. um, it's it's considered more of a consumer SLR versus a prosumer or pro SLR, and and you know not only there are there are some feature differences, uh, but typically the construction is different in a consumer SLR. You're dealing with a lot more plastics. I know the, ori- the original digital uh, EOS Rebels that came out. The uh, lens mounts were plastic, and that became a big problem. If you you put a long lens on it, yep. right? Put too much weight on that, it, it would actually snap the lens mount. But I believe the XSI has a, a metal lens mounts now. But that's a twelve point two megapixel yeah. camera, See? three and a half frames a second, a three inch LCD for six hundred bucks. Now, right there, you, you know, you can get those kits. When you say a kit, um, they need to understand that some of these camera stores add a lot, a fancy strap, you know, a bigger card. Um, a battery holder, a, a nice case, all these things they add in to beef up the price. They're real inexpensive for camera stores to add those things. Get a body. Buy the body alone, you're going to yeah. save hundreds. You, you do. You save a lot of money because they, they, they pull you in by offering, look, this whole package deal, we'll, we'll throw a tripod in, a camera bag, and then you pay another $100 for $10 worth of stuff because the tripod breaks the first time you pull it out. The camera bag doesn't <laughs> fit the camera. But they throw these things in to try and entice you. They'll usually throw some kind of uh, high megapixel or, or megabyte card in there. Uh, but it's usually a cheaper card, a smaller card. You know what I'm finding? Some of your discount stores, uh, your large um, Walmarts, Kmarts, Costcos, those uh, put those packages together uh, because they buy that stuff in mass marketing mm-hmm. so they can do that. Yeah, but we, you know, the point is, is when you want to save the money, just get the body. And what happens with the kit lenses a lot, the lenses that come in these packages, they tend to be cheaper lenses. They might even be a manufacturer lens. So if you're getting a Canon package, it might be a Canon lens. But at least in the past, what you've seen is you'll see two different packages. 
let's say, a, uh, you know, a, a 20D with an 18 to 55 millimeter lens package. Well, there's two of those or three, and they're several hundred dollars apart in price. Why? Well, look at look at what's next to the lens information. What did I say? 18 to 50? 18 to 50, and look the speed. They put in things that are 5.6 to f8. I mean, But one thing you have to look at the detail. Let's say you have a 20D with 18 to 55 millimeter lens. The next one will be 20D with 18 to 55 millimeter USM lens. Right. And that one's $150 more, but you don't know why. It's that USM, ultrasonic motor. Yep. It's a higher quality lens, higher quality construction, has a faster and quieter uh, focus lock on it. It's a better made lens. That's worth the extra money. But you see that cheaper one and you figure, look at it quickly, you figure that's the same lens. It ain't the same lens. And you're going to regret it. You're going to regret it. It's worth the extra money. And one one general rule we normally go by is you can go cheap on the body. Don't go cheap on the lens. Yep. You know, save your. You don't want, need to save your money for the camera body. Save your money for a good lens. That lens will carry through any camera body you get, as long as you stay with the same manufacturer, Canon, Nikon, what have you. It doesn't matter if you stay with that manufacturer. A good lens, chances are, as you upgrade through bodies, that lens will carry through and function with all those bodies. Camera bodies will come and go. We see that. We see how often these companies are coming out with camera bodies. So spend 500 bucks on a, on a camera body. Spend 1200 on a lens. But get good glass. And, and that glass is, is directly proportional to the quality of the image you're exactly. going to get. You know, that's a very important point, Craig. That your glass is real important. And some of these manufacturers, they also try to save on their elements and their glass. Uh, Canon doesn't. Nikon doesn't. Um, I always remember always buying Canon and Nikon glass. You buy it for the glass. Um, and you wonder, okay, you say why? What's that make a big difference? When you're shooting out there, if you look contrast um, and when you're getting lens flares, that's because those elements inside the lens aren't put together that well. Right, and they can be manufactured from different materials. You spend money on a on a pro series lens, just the glass that's used is a higher quality than a cheaper lens, and it's going to handle that light so much better. And I've learned the hard way. I've been out on fires, uh, brush fires, and all the image have been, to my my satisfaction, useless because of the lens I was using. I went back to some old lens I had mm. because I had a, like a twenty eight to one hundred five. It was a an aftermarket lens. It wasn't a Canon lens. And I looked at these pictures and just said, what is wrong with these pictures? There's nothing wrong with the camera body. It's the same old camera body. And I narrowed it down to the glass. So that glass is gone. It's gone. I don't mind spending money for good glass. And as far as, you know, for you Nikon guys out there, I don't want to leave you out. Uh, We've got the D40, the D60, the D80, D90. These bodies are anywhere from uh, $400 now for a D40 body up to $1,000 for a D90 or $1,500 for a D300. Um, the D40 is 6.1 megapixels, 2.5 frames per second. That's that's definitely on the lower end yep, um, by, by today's standards. So you have to look at that. The one step up, the D60 is 10.2 megapixels, 3 frames a second. You got to look at the details here. You don't just go by the price, but buy a camera, one, that you can afford to start, and two, that handles what you need it to handle. That will take the image you need it to take. So if you need 10.2 megapixels, okay, spend the extra couple hundred dollars for that camera body. But 
but get start with something you can afford. It's better to have a lesser uh, expensive camera than no camera at all. You know, and the other thing I find, Craig, uh, nowadays with our internet, you can do research and you can compare cameras, camera stores, everything. If you want to know about lenses, it's right like if you're buying a car or buying a house. Go online. You can find out anything about a camera. And it's a good way to do a little homework. Do your homework before you go and buy a camera. But that doesn't stop you from going into your local camera store and talking to one of the guys. When they're slow at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, if you're available, or 7 o'clock at night, ask them, hey, can I look at that? Let's play with some different lenses. They'll be glad to let you talk their air off because that's what they're there for. But you do need to sniff out a camera shop that employs photographers and not just salesmen because there right. are some shops you can go into, and all they're there to do is sell you a camera. Yep. You'll ask him a question and go, oh, yeah, that's exactly the camera you want because it's the one in your hand. The one and it's also that he's making more money selling. Right. So find a, photo- a shop that has photographers in it. And don't be limited to Canon, to Nikon, to the big guys. Olympus is making some great SLRs right now, anywhere from $400 to $600 for the bodies. And these are 10 megapixel cameras. When I started in photography many years ago, as I said, I started with Minolta. But I remember the newspaper I shot for, everybody assigned everybody a Pentax camera because they were workhorses of cameras. I just heard Pentax is coming back with a great DSLR, large megapixel, good workhorse camera. I saw it, uh, it's coming out from Photokina. And again, we're talking Pentax. You're not talking, you know, the name. And personally, on my own camera, Craig... Um, a couple hundred dollars, if I recall right. Wow. You know, and that's amazing. There's a great place to start. You know, the first thing I do when I get a camera, you're going to laugh, is I cover the Canon part of my camera. And I have a couple of friends that do. Um, I just, I did for a reason. Um, I used to put a little rose up there because I shot the rose parade every year. But I cover that uh, Canon part because it, it, to me, yeah, it doesn't matter if it's Canon or Nikon. I know what I'm shooting with. It doesn't. And I you know Fuji's out there with some great stuff. Oh, Panasonic yeah. is making some good cameras. They have the Lumix line. Um, you know, a 12.1 megapixel SLR they have. Sony's making some great SLRs now. So don't limit yourself to the big guys just because they have the big displays or more choices. But look, but do consider one thing. If you're looking to start out in photography on a budget, but you're planning for growth, you you, you think you're going to maybe get some more camera bodies, get move up and upgrade uh, through camera bodies, some of these manufacturers may be a little limited in choices later on. You know, your Canons, your Nikons will always be out there with new, bigger, better bodies and lenses. Um, So if you're looking for a greater selection, yeah, you want to maybe stay toward the bigger manufacturers. Some of these other ones may be a little limited, may come and go in the market. So just keep that in mind. You know, Craig, that brought up a good point. I remember a while back you recommended that I take a look into refurbished. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is a camera that, for some reason, got shipped back to the manufacturer. They have fixed whatever it was. Might be a scratch or an element of problem or something. They they sell it for half the price with the same warranty. Most of my cameras have been refurbs. I, I, I don't know, maybe one, two camera bodies I've actually bought new. Most have been refurbs and used camera bodies. Refurbished camera bodies, and, and most camera shops will have them available from Canon, from Nikon, from half these the manufacturers. Price. You'll save a ton of dough on a great, great camera. And when it comes back to them from the factory, it's like buying it new. Buying a refurb has usually normally includes a full manufacturer's warranty, just like you bought it new. And it's usually essentially a new camera because it goes back to the, the factory for whatever reason. And they run it through every test in the book. This is the manufacturer. This is the sh- the factory doing this. If there's a, a smudge, there's a scratch, they replace it. 
They replace the the shell. The you body, can't tell whatever. looking at them. That's no, for sure. You'd never know except for the sticker on the box. Right. And, and that sticker says about three, four, five hundred dollars less than the one next to it. Definitely something to look into is the refurbished yeah. stuff. You know, that brings up a real good point, and I don't want to go off on a tangent. Whatever camera you get, Craig, I've learned uh, lately, open up the battery compartment with a pencil. Take and put your initials inside. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a, just a safety thing. That way, if your camera does get misplaced or whatever, God forbid, gets stolen, it's a hidden mark that you have put in your camera. I've done do it on all yeah, mine. That's pretty, that's, that is a tangent, but a pretty good point. I've done that to all my cameras, because especially if you shoot a lot of different events, whether they be fires or a sporting event, or something How many like times that. have you and I laid down our cameras exactly. on the table? All these cameras look the same. So you want, you know, like on some stuff on my lenses, I have a certain color of gaffer's tape, a unique color that I have on all the lenses. That way I see that color tape, boom, I know that's mine. And I do some other things to identify them. Um, but, you know, we would talk about uh, the refurbished stuff. There's also used stuff. I've bought cameras, uh, SLRs on eBay before, uh, big ticket ones. I've bought, you know, 1D Mark II off of eBay and had great luck. There are different for- photo forums out there that have classifieds. Um, there are, you can go to shops, and there's photo gear on consignment. Even uh, websites like Sports Shooter, sportsshooter.com. It's a great website. Uh, it's basically an online forum for sports photographers, anywhere from your local paper to a freelance guy up to Sports Illustrated photographers, and they have, have a classified section where photographers will sell off their gear. I think you have to be a member of Sports Shooter to look at the classifieds only. There are some. It's up to actually up to the seller if oh, you want it? to limit limit it um, to members or not. But if it's public, anybody can look at them and contact the seller. Now, again, uh, there's also eBay. And you and I, mm-hmm. you remember that experience I had? I sold a couple lenses on eBay. And somebody questioned, um, we had put something down uh, when we identified the lens. And we sold it. There was a picture that we put in. Somebody questioned something. Write the right, write the seller. Be accurate. Yep. And ask questions. If you're selling something, be accurate and truthful. If you're buying, ask the questions. Any reputable seller will be happy to answer questions. How would you like to be treated if you're buying something and you get a camera and you open the box and it's full of mushrooms instead of whatever? <laughs> you know, you unless, know, you need to. Unless you're ordering mushrooms. <laughs> exactly. That's another show. Um, but again, back to Sports Suitor just for a second is, is one great resource there in the classifieds is you have photographers shooting for magazines and newspapers some of which are now tr- changing all of their gear over. You have some outlets that are Canon. They're going back to Nikon. So they're selling camera bodies, lenses, flashes, batteries, everything you can think of under the sun, they're selling in these classifieds to other photographers. And you can get in on that and get great deals. So you know, some outfits are just trying to unload the stuff. Right above that on the classifieds of sports shooter, um, there's uh, – People could ask questions, and there's lots of photographers out there throwing questions out on gear, um, and you can hear what other photographers say about it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and another trick about buying camera bodies, and we'll move on to some different equipment here, um, but if you're going to buy something new, get the model that's being replaced. Like right now is the time to buy a Canon 40D because that 50D is coming out, and the 40D prices are going to drop. It's like selling, a, getting the cars off a, off a car lot. They're looking to push those cameras out to make room for the new ones. Now's the time to look for a 40D, right? There was a reason. Photokino was in August, and Christmas is in December. <laughs> and you're right. All uh-huh. these camera stores bought their stock, and they want to get rid of last year's 40Ds. And, and for folks, explain what real quick what Photokino is. Well, Photokino is uh, the big in Germany. Um, every two years, it's where all the photo manufacturers get together and 
display, show off all their new goodies or toys. Every, uh, I believe I heard there were 160 manufacturers there, and it it's went. Huge. Uh, it's, it's huge. huge. Other, it's so big they only do it every other year. Exactly, because they have like 250,000 people that show up to. And those. I've been reading online people that have put out blogs that were there of all the equipment that was there. It's just so, amazing. So if you want to go Germany 2010, <laughs> save up now. Exactly. And uh, but as far as lenses, some things to consider. You know, we talked about USM as far as Canon lenses. Well. How much do you need to spend? Do you need an image stabilized lens or, you know, a VR lens? If, you, if you're a Nikon user, do you need to pay the extra money for that? Do you shoot in situations where you need that image stabilization? Or can you get by with a lens that doesn't have that? You'll save some money there. You know, that brings up a great point, Craig. It's, it's when you're buying lenses, you need to look. Uh, you don't want lenses that when you are at your maximum focal length, they're going to vignette on you. Vignette is where you get the black shadows on the edge of your, your picture. You wonder, why is that being caused by that? That's because there's lenses, hoods, and there's lenses that will do that. And, uh, you know, the, like we said, the, the kit lenses that are out there, they tend to be more cheaply made. They're not as reliable. And, and more expensive lenses, and this, again, is why it's so important to spend the money on the lens, not the camera is, you know, Canon has the L series, the, the, the pro lenses. They're made so well. I'll take mine out and, and, and on fire grounds res and, and rescues, things like that. These are awful conditions for any electric, you know, electronic equipment, but we drag this stuff out because you make that separation. Once again, this is no longer an expensive camera. This is a tool. And if you make the proper investment and get a quality lens, a quality body, quality equipment, few drops of water, some soot, some ashes aren't going to harm it. You wipe it, wipe it down after, you know, and it's going to, you don't have to worry about that. But a cheaper lens where the seals aren't as great, the, you know, the rubber seals, the grommets, the contacts aren't, uh, aren't as, as well made, that's when you got to worry about those wetter conditions. And, and they'll, they'll destroy a lens right off uh, the bat. And you wanted to make a point about uh, water and, and debris getting on lenses where you could make a small investment for an ND filter. Or right, ND, a UV filter. A UV filter. You know, it's, it's that brings up a great point I did. Um, anytime you buy any lens. That's a good segue. It, great segue. Quite, Thank you. Tossing it to you. Um, For a second, you had a look on your face. So you had no idea what I was, you're what right, I was going to. You're right, because I was holding a, something else that we use out in the field. Um, and whenever you buy a lens, buy put a filter on that lens. You know, you can scratch that filter, or especially with what we shoot, you get an ash or something out there, and you scratch a, a filter. Okay, you take the filter off, you screw a new one on. But a lens, you scratch a lens, you're out of shooting. Right. The, the, the old adage is, you know, I'd rather ruin a $50 UV filter than a $1,000 lens. And that's true. You scratch the front element of that lens, you're sending it back to the factory. That's a very expensive repair, um, if not, you know, trashing the whole lens. So I'd rather wreck a $50 to $80 filter. But the other side of that is the those are the prawns, but pro, the, the pros, but the cons on the other side, that some people, the reason some people don't use filters because they feel it diminishes the, the image quality. You're putting something else between the sensor and the subject. Um, and also, as they have the Martians, they have, you know, the, the, the digitals have you know, the little Martians that show up and then the light refracting back and forth in there. You know, the green Martians? Uh, I know who's seen who told, them. Yeah, I, I know the photographer that you're talking about. Um, you know, that brings up a great point there, Craig, because filters do the same thing. Um, you can buy a cheap filter that is encoded properly that once you put it on two weeks afterwards, the glass within the uh, metal ring is going to start moving around on you. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you can buy cheap 
uh, filters too. You bu- invest a little on a filter. Right. You'll you'll get fungus growing in there. It'll start uh, fogging and all that. So yeah, you, you know, by the same token, you don't want to get a, a eight hundred, six hundred dollar, even a four hundred dollar lens and throw a cheap filter in front of it and ruin all the quality of the glass you've just invested in. Um, but it's a, a but I highly recommend yeah you're right a yeah. filter and and a filter you know we don't recommend a lot of accessories when we're talking about shooting on a budget but a filter is a UV filter is one accessory that will save you money in the long run so that's why we've included that you know and you've seen out there on the line somebody gets hit with a you know a hose we have a hose break and you could take a, if you carry a towel or a rag or a handkerchief you can clean that filter mm-hmm. real fast don't ever they highly recommend don't touch that black back mirror or the back glass actually it's a different grade of glass than your front glass it's a lot softer glass you can scratch that back glass Real easy if you're doing that. You want to use care with that. And unless you're changing lenses in a in a real bad situation, you shouldn't have to even touch the back element on a lens. Exactly. Um, but you know, there's something to be said for aftermarket lenses too. Canon, Nikon. You don't always have to stick with the factory lenses. There are some great aftermarket lenses out there. Takina, Sigma is out there making some great lenses. But do your research on those because you will find different reviews. Every camera website I see out there, there's a million websites out there that have reviews of of cameras, of lenses, of everything under the sun. Read those reviews. Do your homework. If you're going to buy a lens, look and you have your eye on a particular lens, Google it. Search on the net. Look for different reviews. See what people that have bought it that have actually used it are finding. And that's another way to save you money if you think about it, Ross. Is you know you you go and you spend four or five hundred dollars for a lens only to find out it's a piece of crap lens. What do you have to do? Well, let me see. I got to go out and get another lens for eight hundred dollars, and now I got this five hundred dollar lens and an eight hundred dollar lens. A five hundred dollar lens I'm not using, but I okay I'll sell it on eBay. Well, I just sold it for four hundred dollars, so I've lost a hundred dollars. So that was a, really a six hundred dollar lens. So you can see how this just you just this snowballs. So do your research ahead of time and get the right equipment. You know, I'm just curious. Uh, Lenses, filters, you know, I wish people would email us and tell us some of the equipment they use if they have a Canon and are using another manufacturer's lens and so forth. They yeah, because we're not just here for, for the big guys. I mean, I have cheap cameras. I've gone through all different phases. I just happen to like spending my money on camera equipment. I like to have my own equipment versus renting it. But there's nothing says I won't go shoot with an XSI either. I mean, it's a, a camera's a camera. It's a great camera. I oh. just... I'm a gadget guy. I like buying up all that stuff. But, you know, we're talking to everybody out there. We're talking from the pro out there who's willing to dump six, seven grand on a camera body. We're also talking to you who has a budget of $500 to get up and running. We, you know, we're, this is what this show is about, is about how to get this stuff more cheaply, more affordably. So, you know, we're including everybody out there. And that's what I find, Greg. I find there's now a lot of people are making other manufactured, you know, right like the manufactured uh, original equipment. And for many years I shot with, I think uh, when I was shooting Nikon, I used a Vivitar Series 1 lens that I'd gotten, which was a great piece of glass, and it looked great. And then I sold it off for a Nikon piece of glass. Yeah, we're going to rattle through some other stuff here. We're getting into memory. Um, You know, the the faster the, you know, let's stay, uh, let's talk about compact flashcards, for example. Uh, different manufacturers, different cameras use different kinds of cards, SD cards, uh, and so forth. But, uh, you know, there are always rebates out there. There are always sales. Right now, Adorama, or I should say SanDisk, is having a rebate 
where if you go to a certain vendor, Sammy's, B&H, Adorama, and you buy one 8-gig uh, Extreme 3 SanDisk card, you get like $60 back. And if you buy two, you get $120 back. I mean, it's a huge rebate. So um, our good friend uh, Rick, once again, back in Massachusetts, uh, emailed and said he just bought three SanDisk Extreme 3 cards, 8 gigs, for 172 bucks from Adorama. And the rebate uh, going right now, when you, he bought all three at the same time, is going to send him back 160 bucks. Wow. So by the time this is over, he's going to have paid $12 for three 8-gig Extreme 3 cards, which is a big, big deal. So go if you're thinking of buying memory now, go to your, go to your shops, go to your stores, B&H, Sammy's, Adorama, wherever. There's a long list of vendors that are included in this rebate. And uh, and look into buying these if you wanted to stock up on cards. This is and it doesn't just include the eight gig; it's all of the same. You know, you cards. told me the last time I went to buy a card, I asked you where did you buy your card, and you said you got it at Amazon dot com. Yep. And I was real surprised. I went to Amazon, and not only ordered uh, a two gig card, but I had it delivered to me uh, within a day. You know, and uh, they have some special deal. Another place to look if you're a member of Amazon or you can go online. Amazon's Amazon. great. You can get all this stuff. You can get camera bodies and get lenses, and it's a good place to research the stuff because you can add, users can add their own reviews. So you can, uh, you can end up saving money in the long run there by reading reviews. And along with memory cards, I have a little trick that I do with uh, batteries too, is I tend to buy the batteries and memory cards when I'm making a bigger purchase. That way I, I barely notice it. Because <laughs> if you're buying by themselves and you're thinking, ooh, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, but you know, if you're buying a new camera body, that's the time to buy the cards and the batteries because it doesn't hurt as much. It gets buried in the cost of the camera. You just see the one big number and you come walking away with a nice big shot. It's funny. Bag. You know, the one thing that I recently bought, and I don't have the camera yet, I went and bought a strap. Um, and the strap that you use that, I don't know, I, I use the same strap. I used a, a donkey ba- a strap for. 10 or 20 years, and I used your 40D. If you remember, you were out of town, and you let me. One or two. Well, yeah, one uh, You let me one of them. And I was using the other one. You're right. And you lent it to me, and I fell in love with that Tamron strap that has two holders for cards. I went out. I ordered the cards separate. So now those two little pockets, because I'm the one that always runs out without an extra card in my pocket. You know what we're going to do, because yeah. we're getting short on time, is we're going to count that as the gadget for the day. There you that go. strap, and, and oh. another part of that strap I love, and which is really the reason I went to it, not only does it have the two little attached pockets for SD cards or compact flash cards, and you can fit like two cards in each of them, that way every time I pull that camera out and I forget to grab the card wallet that has all the extra cards, I keep the, the ones on the strap stocked with older one gig cards. Yep. And they, you love when I use the term, they have saved my bacon on many occasions because I always know I have spare cards on me. And that's what I do with my older one gig cards is I stuff them in these little pockets. That way I always have backups. But another part that really uh, drew me toward this strap is I've had a million straps just like everybody else out there. And they have the ones that are adjustable where the shoulder pad part kind of slides back and forth. It's separate from the strap itself. I can't stand those. Oh, they move. They they move, but they flip over too. Yep. They'll get, so the strap will get like twisted in it, and it's all cockeyed. And you try to put it on, and it's and it just doesn't uh, seat right on your shoulder. I can't stand that. These straps we're talking about, uh, Tamron straps, have a leather padded uh, shoulder pad that's fixed to the strap, so it's always in the same place. It's leather, so it sticks really well. It clings really well to basically any shirt or jacket you can you can wear, which is which is a big deal. 
Another thing is they're available in brown leather and black leather. And I found I had brown leather, but when I'd go to shoot formal things wearing a black suit or a black shirt, the brown leather would flake off onto my black oh. shirt. So what I do, I went out and replaced them with the black ones. And I haven't had that problem since. And I think they're about $20 a piece. Yeah, they were. It was rather inexpensive. I And I got a couple extra cards when I bought the strap. So now you'll never find me without a card. Yeah. So they... So, hey, there's the gadget for the day. Go look for those Tamron straps. You'll, you'll and I'm just them. curious, Greg, what uh, size cards do you normally carry on most of your gear? Um, I'm uh, shooting with four gigs now. Okay. Four gig cards. I'm going to go to eight gigs as soon as I get a 5D Mark II, which I'm saving my pennies for. Um, because of the video feature, I'll have to go to the eight gig cards on that. But for <laughs> sure. now, I'm running with uh, four gigs. All my backups are twos and ones. I haven't thrown the ones away yet. I, I still find uses for those. Um, but, uh, I always have those as backup. So primarily fours. Okay, great. I just was curious cause I, uh, and shooting a boxing so. match or a super cross race or, or stuff that I, a lot of the stuff I shoot, you can go through those real I quick, bet. especially if you're shooting raw. In the recent trip to Alaska, I was shooting raw and JPEG went through that four gig cards, like nobody's business. Mm. Um, but again, again, with the memory cards, you're going to, you know, the faster cards, um, the, are, are going to cost you more money, but the, the, the plus for that is the faster um, download mm-hmm. download speeds. It's going to download to the camera buffer quicker. It's going to upload to your computer faster. Um, so that's something to consider. But batteries, and one more point on batteries before we move on. I think I mentioned it a, a couple of shows ago because I learned one thing a long time ago, and this is a great way to save money on those proprietary camera batteries. Let's say you walk into Best Buy. You've got that whole rack of batteries in front of you. Turns out that $40 Canon battery on the bottom rack is basically the same battery for $60 on the top rack. Just the top one happens to say Canon on it. It's the same battery. So I'll get, you know, I'll get, sure, I'll get two of the ones from the bottom peg instead of one from the top. And they last me just as long, if not longer. And I found that historically with two-way radio batteries, scanner batteries, and all, all across the board, that aftermarket battery manufacturers sometimes are better built and last longer than the OEM battery. Now, one of the things that I did, uh, I do pretty steadily now, when I get those batteries, take a Sharpie and I put my name on them. I, I put the Sharpie oh, and the date. I put yep. the month and because year. Because we're that all I got shooting it. the same. We, we have those batteries. One jumps out of my turnout coat on the ground. That's happened. It sure has. Oh, who's this? Oh, here, it's Benson's battery. Well, what I do is I write my name on it with a Sharpie. I write the month and year that I put it into service um, and, I, and I number them. So I know which is which. If one's acting weird, or it's not holding a charge. I can you know. I can keep track of that one. And I'll tell you, we're shooting forest fires and out there, and and you pull out a battery and something doesn't work in your camera. You put in two fresh batteries and you notice you shoot only, oh what, hundred shots and that battery is half bad. Then you know to yep. Yeah, and if that one's numbered, you know that's the problem battery, and you throw that one out or whatever. <laughs> but dating them, I also know how old they are. So if I start start having problems with the battery, and it's a really old one, I can kind of attribute it to that. Or um, it helps me keep, also keep track of the performance of a battery over time. Is how old is it, and is is this still the best battery? Is this one op, you know holding a charge better than a newer battery? So it's just those different things, little and tricks again, we all have. These are tricks and tips that we use. Uh, we've been shooting for a long time. I'd love to hear other people's ticks and trips, and we will announce. We'll tell them ticks and trips. Trips and ticks. Ticks and trips. A trip tick from AAA. <laughs> uh, another thing is, you know, we all share cameras and things like that and lenses, and we borrow them from each other and loan them to each other. And here, here's a couple of batteries to borrow. 
well, you know what? If I just lent you, loaned you my two best batteries, I want to make sure I get my two best batteries back. That's another reason to have your name on them. No. Great point. Real good. Yeah. And uh, have I ever returned? Have I returned those no, batteries? By the no. Way? You. You. Yeah. No. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Um, another one, Rick, came, uh, our buddy Rick from Boston came up with a, a, another great one. And that's a, and one that I didn't even really consider in this was strobes and flashes. Important. Those, you know, four or 500 bucks a piece to get, you know, now a Canon, you know, a 580 EX2 series strobe, you know, 500 bucks. Yep. And they're, and you know, based on your photography, what image do you need to get? Do you need that $500 Canon strobe to get the image you want? Or can you go out and spend $100 on a Vivitar or something, that, you know, equivalent, an aftermarket strobe like that? Well, that'll, chances are, nine times out of ten, that's going to get you the same exact shot, that $500 Canon one. Now, some guys just like to have the Canon, the Nikon name on whatever they use. But you know what? When it comes down to it, in the heat of battle, shooting those fires, shooting those emergency scenes, you're going to use and choose the equipment that gets you the shot. I've had that same 550. I haven't moved up to the 580 yet. I have a 550EX, and it's the same one I've used for years. But you know what's real important, Craig? I have taken that manual. I played with that strobe. The head rotates on it. The body changes on it. That's something that's real important. I shot something the other day, a close-up of a, I think it was a bad ceremony, and I shot a real close-up. Instead of having direct flash, I was able to turn that strobe, bounce off something, and it really was a nice light. And uh, here, a tip for the day from uh, some fellow uh, photographers out there is when you have the strobe on the camera, don't pick the camera up by the strobe. <laughs> Ouch. Don't do that, okay? It's like picking it's like picking a 500-millimeter lens up by the camera body. You know, don't do it because a lot of these strobes have weak spots, and those are That's... at the hot shoe. And it just so happens that some of the newer ones out there from Canon, from Nikon, where it breaks— isn't meant to break. Uh, have and you noticed the whole on, thing has to go back to the factory. On the new 580EX2, they've had two models there. They mm -hmm. redid the shoe. The biggest complaint from photographers, they get hit at a football game, yeah. at a sporting event. What's the first thing that's going to go? There goes the strobe. Uh, so they now have taken and redone, retooled the foot to hold on. It has a lever now instead and of a ejects. screw. Half a second before impact, it ejects. <laughs> well, it has a lever now. Quick release lever instead of that screw, which how many times have you gone out there and, and you're wearing the gloves? And trying to figure out which way to turn yeah, it. Yeah, and you're tightening it instead of loosening it, and yep. you have to almost take a crowbar to take your strobe off. So, yeah, the you'll find 580 EX is out <laughs> there a lot cheaper than the EX2. Yep. But that's why. And that's, again, another reason to do your research. And that's almost another show totally there. Um, the rechargeable batteries that you can buy to power up. Those strobes. A lot of people carry these little accessory packs. I have a Lumidine that I uh, recharge, have as a backup, and I just got it back from Lumidine, and they said they tested it 483 flashes, and I literally went out there and did 500. I tested it myself. Jeez. And this from Rick, uh, to quote his email about the strobe, his tip is, another great uh, save is not to buy the most expensive flash unit that all the companies want to sell you. For most of my fires now, I'm using the Vivitar 285HV. And he makes a note. Make sure you get the HV model because this is the only unit that uses low voltage and is compatible with digital cameras. Uh, that flash cost him $89. He loves it for fires because it's totally manual and you can uh, vary the output of the flash really fast. The only drawback is somewhat of a slow recycle time. Um, but it's a great way to save money. Now, I know on the 285, I used to have 283 and a 285. Those are great. Those they are, are. There's a gentleman out here horses. in Van Nuys, California that made a aluminum foot 
so you could change that plastic slip-on to aluminum. You only have to put it on once. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You don't break those feet off anymore. I mm-hmm. believe it's called Holly Enterprises. Holly in Enterprises. Holly, H-O-L-L-Y in Van Nuys, California. And he's known uh, as the Vivitar Repair Guru. Okay. <laughs> wow. Where did you pull that one from? I just thought of him. You know, the other day I was looking for something. I wanted a, uh, an old 285. And I remember him uh, fixing other Vivitar strobes. And if you look on the internet, Holly Enterprises, and there's people that have written. And that's what I did. I put in research for Holly Enterprises. Excellent. And it says Vivitar Repair. Good one. I'll have to put that in the show notes. Yep. All the web, all the websites, Sammy's, B&H, Holly Enterprises, we'll put that in the show notes. So you don't have to worry about writing them down now and, and crashing while you're out uh, chasing the fires. Just uh, check the website out later, and we'll have those up there. Um, two, uh, two sentences I'm going to say about accessories. And it's tough for gadget guys like me. I have to constantly remind myself, only buy accessories if they help you make better images. I have a lot of accessories laying around that I never use, little umbrellas that mount on the camera if it's raining. Granted, <laughs> I like buying this stuff to try it out and uh, and and talk about, but there's a whole lot of stuff I don't use. So if you want to save money, wait Buy accessories that will help improve your photography. How many photo bags have you resold? I've sold a bunch, but I do. <laughs> yeah, I, I am a camera bag guy. Oh, we all are. They I, all have a different purpose. Yep. The ones I still have all serve a purpose. Um, and and a couple of notes about pricing. You know, you find on these websites that web pricing. They have special pricing for the internet for their website. There's a reason for that because they figure they're charging you shipping and not sales tax. If you go into the store sometimes, if you see something on B&H's website and you go into the store, you may end up paying more in the store because that Sammy's says the same thing. Sammy's is the same yep. way. They have web pricing. So you have to make sure um, if you're going to go to the store that it, they, it, you can get at the same prices on the website. But another way to save money is to get it on the website. Even if you live a block away from B&H Photo Video in New York City, Getting it on the website, you, you'll still save money because you get the web pricing. But you can also there are different ways you can save on sales tax and things like that. Now, I'm I'm real curious, and I I don't know if you have any reference on it. Uh, gray market cameras. You know, years ago I used to hear about you used to hear yeah. about gray market cameras, and that's that's one point I meant to make earlier. Thanks for reminding me. Is when you look at these websites and you see different pricing for the same item, you'll see a let's say the 20D with the 18 to 55 lens. You there's the 18 to 55. There's the USM. And there it is again, the 18 to 55, 18 to 55 USM, the 20D, but it's cheaper. Well, wait a minute. You're seeing four 20Ds with the same lens. And they're all different prices. Look for the, a little mark or a little a little cue in there somewhere in the text or next to it or next to the picture of the camera or next to the price. There's something that might indicate gray market. And that's something you want to look at when you're buying something new. Used isn't as big a deal if it's out of warranty. But if you're buying something from Sammy's, from B&H, they sell U.S. market equipment and they sell gray market equipment. Gray market equipment is stuff that's typically meant for sale overseas outside the United States. The warranties from these manufacturers will not cover your equipment in the U.S. if you buy gray market equipment. So you might see a lower price on Sammy's website, B&H's website. And nothing against these guys. They sell worldwide. That's what they do. But it's up to the consumer to research that homework. and be alert enough to realize what, what they're ordering. Because if you figure, oh, I'm going to save 200 bucks if I get this one, that must be a mistake on their website because it's 200 bucks cheaper than the same exact thing. 
check for that gray market. And, and it doesn't always say gray market. Sometimes it's got a little green dot or it's got a I little... I think the instruction manuals are not in English. The might box not is not in English. It might have been on a ship. The software might months. not be compatible uh, with your with your camera. If, uh, if it's NTSC compliant, it might be PAL. Like if you buy a video camera, it might be PAL, which is a foreign format. NTSC is a video format adopted and standard in, in the United States. You got to check these details, and that's one big thing because you get attracted to that lower price, and then you get the camera, and then something happens, and you need to get it serviced, and you find out that the warranty does not cover it because it's a gray market camera. Thanks for bringing that up. I meant to mention that earlier, and that's important that we get that out there. Um, bigger stores, we're going to wrap this up, but bigger stores tend to be a little cheaper because they get uh, volume, volume pricing. You're, you know, but you have your discount stores that are uh, buy again. They're, they have a chain of 50 or 60 stores. They buy in mass volume. And I will say places like your your, your neighborhood camera shop. Um, there are several that I use uh, in the, the city I work in where I like going in. And equipment is typically more expensive there because they don't get the volume discounts that these big shops get. But what you typically what you pay for, what you get in return is the service. You get this one-on-one service from photographers who sell cameras, not salesmen who, who who are just there to sell you a camera. You can have that conversation. They'll direct you toward a camera that you need, not the one that they need to move or sell you. You'll get that service. And I find with that, when you do that, Craig, that guy that you deal with all the time, you have a little problem and you're going to have, you have something you have to shoot. You have a problem. He'll give you a loaner. He'll lend you something or he can recommend or say, Hey, let me take it back. Here's another one. And that's something you don't get at these big box stores like Costco, Sam's Club. You can go in there and get great deals on cameras. But chances are those cameras are being moved off off the the, off the out of the inventories of the manufacturers, and that's why they're going to the box stores. So you might not have the service available uh, if something breaks on them. You might not have the warranty coverage. One thing you definitely don't have that we just talked about is that service. Chances are you walk up to a camera display at Costco. And the kid pushing the pallet next to it isn't going to know anything about it, isn't going to be able to help you, and you're basically on your own to do uh, to do the sale, to do the research and everything. So if you've researched it enough and you're comfortable going to, want to Costco or Sam's Club and getting the camera you wanted, then go ahead and do that. Just go in knowing that you're not going to get that service. You know, the other nice thing is you can go into some of your big camera stores out here. We have Sammy's and so forth. There's Hooper Camera. There's... Uh you know, the ones that we buy. And you can get the brochures that the companies put out that will tell you everything. Go get that color brochure that you could read at your yeah, that leisure. wall of pamphlets, wall of books and brochures. It's they're great. free. Yeah. Take them. That's why they're out there is so you can research different equipment. Uh, we've covered quite a bit. I think that's good. Um, you know, we could go on forever about this, but we want to we want to hear what, the, what you guys think. We, you know, we've gotten some great emails from some friends of the show out there. Um, who've given us their thoughts on how to save money. But this is an ongoing process. We're always going to be looking for equipment, buying equipment, new people coming into the uh, into the photography arena here that are going to be looking for advice on what kind of equipment to get and how to save money. So don't let these ideas go away just because the show is done. We have the forum out there now, um, which is which is new. This, this last week I, I started an online forum for fans and listeners of the show or any any fan of photography in general. It's a place for everybody to get together, ask questions, answer questions, um, and the like. And that is at groups.google.com slash group slash fireground. And uh, don't even bother writing that down. I'm going to put it in the show notes. But if you go to the website at firegroundaction.com, 
there's a there's a big icon right in the middle of the page that allows you to go to the group and also to subscribe to the group. It's free. Um, now, I think you have to be a talking. subscriber to to Google Groups. You just start an account. It's a free account, right? And uh, and that'll get you in. And just uh, subscribe to the to our to the Fireground um, forum. Don't worry, we'll we're not going to send you. We're not. We're not going to junk mail or anything like that. You choose how you get the messages. You can get them via email. You can get them once a day. You can get them as they come in. But it's uh, we're hoping to populate that group, and we've already gotten some great responses out there. You know, there you know a few times a week I'll put a question out to everybody out there, and I'll get responses back. And it's a place to to discuss the topics that we talk about on the show, um, to bring up ideas, to just ask questions to other photographers out there. You will get answers. I guarantee that. I'm on it all the time, Ross. You're you're on it all the time. We're always checking in. And, uh, and we're looking for your participation there. So hopefully you'll get good use out of that. And, again, I'll put that link in the show notes, but it's also available on the website. Um, and and that leads to a little of everything. I mean, if you have a question, we Craig has had numerous pictures in Fire Rescue Magazine. I've had Firehouse Magazine. The guys that we shoot with are buddies and pals that out here in Southern California. You've all seen their pictures. If you have a question or you want to get a contact or something, let us know. That's a Good base. And the whole point of the show is to try and give everybody out there, every photographer, every fire photographer, a place to chat, a place to bounce questions off of other fire photographers. We're a small community, and uh, and we need each other out there. So the whole point of this podcast, the point of the forum, uh, the website, all that is to bring everybody together and give you somebody to talk to. Um, and, you know, I just want to let you know, coming up in future shows, um, in the next couple of weeks here, we're going to have a web designer, a friend of ours. Um, who's a, who? Who his business is to do web design, and he's going to come on, and we're going to talk about websites and what works for photo websites, what doesn't work for photo websites, and you might even uh, decide you want to check out his services. And uh, but that's completely up to you. But we're going to talk about uh, photo websites, and uh, also we're going to bring the East Coast guys in. We're getting them all dialed in on Skype and all that. We're going to be able to have conversations over the internet and record that for the podcast. So we're going to be bringing our buddies Joe Brown, Ted Pendergast, Rick Knoll, all our old buddies from Boston in on the conversation. And we're also talking to people throughout the country we're going to be bringing on. There's a um, a new friend of the show that's in Colorado that shoots that we're going to be bringing on. He's just getting Skype. Uh, you know, we're welcome to hear everybody's voice out there. And we're going to, yeah, we're going to be bringing more Nikon people in. And uh, we also, don't you also have, uh, how do they get a hold of us? How do they get a hold of us? With Well, email, as always, is podcast at firegroundaction.com. And we're on Twitter. So if you go and sign on your free account on Twitter at twitter.com slash firephotos. We are firephotos. And just like the forum, I put questions out in both places. When we get shows coming up, we're looking for topics. I'll put questions out on Twitter and hope to get your responses there. The online forum, again, is out there. And the podcast, as always, is available on iTunes. So if you go to iTunes and subscribe to it there. But uh, if you don't have iTunes or something that will work with iTunes, you can always uh, download the each podcast or just listen to it on our website at firegroundaction.com. And uh, I think that's uh, about if it. Have if, they, last minute? if they want to get hold of me, it's yeah. uh, ross at firepictures.com. I've had that website for many, many years, firepictures.com. Send me an email. Uh, I'm also on Twitter. Twitter, uh, it's firepictures is my uh, handle there. And if you want to follow me or uh, send me your uh, 
who you're attached with and so forth, I'd be glad to. See, take I it almost off. forgot to ask you all that because you're just such a fixture here now. I <laughs> forgot you were even over there. Well, thank you for inviting me. Every week this has been a wow. lot of fun, and I love the feedback we're getting. And like, yeah. you know, we're out in the public, and we're people are coming up and telling us uh, they're listening to the podcast. Keep it up, guys. Yeah, keep up the good work. And as always, thanks for tuning in. Be safe out on those fire lines, will you? And we will talk to you next time on Fireground Action Photography. 